Hello and welcome back to She's In Focus, the podcast dedicated to inspiring and empowering female filmmakers and videographers from all walks of life and on every step of their creative journey. I'm your host, Kel Grant, an aspiring filmmaker from New Jersey who's just trying to turn my passion into something more and connect with amazing women who have the same passion for video. One of those being Marissa Cooper, a filmmaker based in Denver, Colorado, who is created social content and told stories of corporate missions in education, medicine, and landscape architecture, along with producing a bilingual training program, documenting a medical mission trip, and filming weddings and elopements. Marissa is someone I hunted down on social media to get her on the show because I was just blown away by her filmmaking skills and the work that she has in her portfolio. She's here to tell us how in the world she got so damn good. Marissa, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Kel. I'm excited to be here. Of course. All right, let's get right into it. I can't wait to hear some of the details of the projects you've worked on and that, that you feature on your website. But let's take it back a few steps and really talk about your evolution. First of all, you didn't go to school for filmmaking. You studied marketing at mm-hmm. the University of Northern Colorado. Right. Um, and now, you know, now I work full time in marketing. And a lot of what I do is project management and content creation. But marketing is something I think every business owner, especially in the creative fields, has been trying to get a handle on. Mm-hmm. So what was your your program like, your marketing program like? And what would you say you actually learned from it? Ooh, that's taking me back quite a That's like six <laughs> years ago. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I think the marketing, it really just set the foundation of where I am now. Like, I see there's a lot of similarities between marketing and Uh, videography and like presentation, brand image, um, the messaging behind certain videos. Um, And I think more than anything from school, it was more about my journey and experience in the real world. And that's where I felt like I really accelerated. And also just making new connections within the field also like helped me accelerate to the next level um, more than schooling, I would say. Yeah. So was it a lot of like internships, externships, stuff like that? Uh, no, not really. I think I only took, had one internship in college and then outside of college, I got my first job. I was actually at a ski shop before I got my career in marketing, um, working as a marketing coordinator, handling the science company's social media accounts, um, their branding. And also they created a, um, educational channel on how they went through the experiments. And I was the writer for those, um, videos. Wow. So you, you know, you, you graduated from college and you entered, you actually entered, entered the marketing world Mm -hmm. um, after having that ski shop job. So that was what your kind of trajectory was at that point in time. When did the filmmaking come in? So while I was at that um, science company, I really, for some reason, wanted to be in broadcast. So my um, manager at the time, she actually worked for CBS back in the day. She was a journalist and stuff. So she had some connections and intel on the broadcast world. And I was just trying to get my foot in the door. Um, And it actually came about when I went to New York to visit a friend. I was talking to one of my family friends who works at VML YNR. And just telling him, I want to, you know, kind of get into the videography, but I still like marketing sort of thing. And he was like, well, why don't you go visit our office in New York and they can talk to you. So it was more an informational interview. And then from there, I went to the interview, super nervous, didn't know what to expect. And I started talking to their marketing manager and 
for some reason, like I asked one question about videography at the very beginning of meeting her. She's like, okay, hold on. Let me go get somebody that can answer that for you. And then she brought in my now mentor, Kyle. And Kyle talked to me a little bit. He took me back to his office and we spoke for about an hour. And at the end of our meeting, he gave me his contact information was like, if you ever want to show me some of your work and like have critiques, I'd be more than happy to. And so I was like, oh, okay, like (laughs) for sure. Yeah, so generous. Yeah, right. I was not expecting that at all. So obviously like my first edit I sent to him, I was so nervous on what he would say. I'm like, he's going to tear this thing apart. (laughs) And he did it out of like making me better because I don't think I would be here today without me risking, um, not rejection, but like accepting critique and being willing and open to receive that, to know that it, that I will get better. So over the years, I kept in contact with Kyle, kept sending him my work. um, And then I eventually left the science company and uh, my gears kind of shifted. I didn't really want to pursue broadcast anymore. And then I made it into my current role kind of um, at the landscaping company. And their first mission was to create a safety and training program for that was custom for their team and equipment and their core values. So from there, I developed this program, not really knowing much about machinery, still like fresh on trying to learn the videography tactics and techniques and stuff. So I kind of, you know, just took a leap, did what I could and um, developed a program that has over 60 videos in English and Spanish going over um, how to operate equipment, job site behaviors, the company culture and all that stuff. So that evolved into my, they also tacked on a marketing role for me. So from there I used my marketing degree and then it expanded to making more um, marketing videos for the company of like our projects, um, of our design build process. So it's kind of evolved. And I've been very fortunate. The company has given me creative freedom to go out and search for projects and stuff. I'm actually working on, well, two big projects right now. So the company, we've been tending to these gardens at Clayton Early Learning Center. And they're a school in uh, Park Hill, Colorado, which is a very, um, it's an inner city school. So uh, we maintain the gardens there. And this is our fifth year doing it. And I was like, you know what, I need to create a documentary feature for this school. And so wow. that this project has started from there and I have the creative flexibility to take that on. And also the other project is actually the client brought this up. I was at his property in Evergreen, Colorado. It's a beautiful property. And he was like, you know, you guys should do um, a video showing the seasons of a landscape and how there's different, you know, like different scenes in a landscape and stuff. I was like, oh, okay. And so I brought it back to my boss and he was like, yeah, totally go for it. So the past year I've been filming this landscape and it's so interesting to see how it's evolved. And each time I go to the property, you know, I have my set shot list, but I'll turn a corner a different way and I'll see something completely different that I didn't see before. And I was like, oh, let me give this shot. Um, (laughs) And so- Yeah, it's kind of been organic and yeah, just like, you know, the desire to wanting to keep creating too. Yeah, that role sounds incredible. Can you tell me a little bit about the structure? So you're working, are they a client of yours or or do you work at an agency and they're a client of the agency or they are a specific client of yours or do you work for Designscapes Colorado? So I work for Designscapes Colorado as their marketing coordinator and videographer. And so the client... Mm -hmm 
has been a client of theirs for, I'd say, over a decade now. So when we go out there to do product photo or photo shoots of the property and stuff, I've been out there and I coordinate all of that. So I've been in contact with the client too, and he's aware of what I do um, at Designscapes too. Got it. Got it. So you report, do you report to anybody or are you kind of a self-sufficient department? Well, it's a mixture of both. Self-sufficient and I report to the owner, um, but he's like very, he likes giving me the flexibility to go out and create because he's like blown away by the stuff that I can go out and create and they're very thankful to have me out there. So that's always reassuring. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, how did you, how did you uh, get that role? How did you meet the owner? Um, yeah, so um, <laughs> my dad actually has worked for this company for over 20 years. Yeah, now. And so this role actually came about um, for that need of they needed safety videos. Um, and they knew back in the day that I like to mess around with a camera. I'd make like short films with my friends that were like probably like D rated films because <laughs> we look back at them now we're like oh my gosh I can't believe we did that um so they always knew I had like camera skills and that creativity and so that's what brought me on and I honestly it was a blessing too because my job at the science company actually ended and I thought I was going to go into broadcast but the job offer I had fell through and then this opportunity mm-hmm. came about so I really think that job opportunity kick-started my career in filmmaking because if I would have stayed in broadcast, I don't think I would be where I am today because the roles that I was applying to were sales roles because I just wanted to get my foot in the door in broadcast. So I'm really yeah thankful for this that this opportunity came about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when one door closes, another one swings wide open right? for you. That's awesome. For sure. <laughs> yeah. So how do you still, um, you said you still keep in contact with Kyle. Do you still send him the work that you're doing for Designscapes Colorado? And does he give you feedback on that stuff still? Yeah, he does. I haven't sent him something in a while, actually, but I probably should. Um, I will, <laughs> actually. But um, he's even connected me with other creators. Like I wanted some feedback on a wedding film that I produced and he gave me some feedback, but it was also like, you should also connect with my friend. Like she does wedding videography too. And so I connected with her. So it's kind of like snowballed into talking to other people and um, kind of building my connections. Yeah. So you are building your portfolio by working for Design Saves Colorado. I mean, the work that you're producing for them, Marissa, let me just say is next level (laughs) for, for something like, you know, for architecture or landscaping. Like when you think of those fields, um, I mean, landscaping particularly, like you think like, oh, like when the final product is done, like it's really pretty, but I don't see a lot of like process videos right. or really nicely put together like HR style training videos. And you did an amazing job from the ones that I saw on your website. So I'm sure they're, they're thrilled to have you. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. And we're going to, we're going to get into specific details on specific videos I want to pull up and talk about. You're building your portfolio by working for Design Saves Colorado, but you're also kind of venturing into your own filmmaking company and brand Mm -hmm. Uh, when did you officially launch your company Ooh, officially i would say this year (laughs) was more official in years past it was kind of like i had a you know people knew that i had a videography like passion and background and then it's like oh can you make a video for us for this and i'm like okay sure and then now i'm more serious into where i want to venture out into other businesses and stuff and really 
my interest is in um, corporate and also like documentary style filmmaking. Um, and so I figured, you know, ways to expand my portfolios to connect with other industries. And it's kind of started with like who I know. Um, one of my first like doc projects, I went on a mission trip with this uh, nonprofit called Spine Care International. And they had been going to Belize for, I believe it was four years up to this point, trying to get research. Um, they wanted to perform spinal surgeries for, you know, those in need of spine surgeries that couldn't afford it for free. So this trip was years in the making and I got to be a part of it on the year that they were able to operate on patients. And that trip, they were able to operate on four people and just seeing like the whole process, um, you know, I'm not, I don't watch doctor shows or anything. So being in the operating room while they're operating, I was like, I don't know if I'll be able to handle oh this. Gosh. The first Ooh. time I was like a little woozy, but then after yeah. that, I was totally fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I could imagine. Yeah, it was not my cup of tea, but <laughs> it was really awesome. And just getting out there and that was like a, pay a free gig. So for me, it was more about the experience and I love to travel too. So being able to go to Central America and see how people live and just the culture and stuff was awesome too. So yeah, it's mainly come from connections or people I know that work in other industries, my friends, and then, you know, kind of asking them for things in advance because never in my life did I think I would film anything medically and it's quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I, you're at the point you said you want to focus on commercial and documentary style. Um, so where did the weddings come in though? Because you have quite a few <laughs> weddings on your website and they're great. And I and I thought like, oh, this is definitely the direction she's going in. Right. Um, the weddings came in. I remember my first wedding I filmed, it was for a friend and I absolutely hated it because I just wanted mm. to be with everybody. And, you know, like I wasn't really focused on filming. I was like, oh, I want to hang with my friends. Like they're having such a great time and stuff. And it came a couple of years ago. One of my friends, she told me like, why don't you consider wedding filmmaking? Because, you know, it always is a revolving door. Like there's always people that want wedding films and stuff. And I was like, oh, I never really thought about it. Like my first wedding I did, I hated it. So I never wanted to touch it again. But there's a lot in wedding filmmaking that you can learn and it'll help you um, with your journey no matter what type of filmmaking you want to make. Um, for me, weddings are very, you know, they're intense, they're quick and stuff. And I get that adrenaline um, because I used to play, I used to be a goalkeeper um, and I played oh, at the yeah. collegiate level too. So kind of getting that um, quick, fast paced um, kind of event again in my life was really like exciting and stuff. And it really yeah. teaches you to be quick on your toes, but also finesse like your shots and the direction you want to go and make sure everything is right the first time because obviously there's no second time you can't be like hey um I didn't have record on for <laughs> your kiss can you please do it again like <laughs> there's yeah, none of that seriously. so it has taught me a lot um and you know you can get the documentary style filmmaking in wedding films as well because you are documenting either the whole day or it could be the whole weekend like with a rehearsal dinner or just like if it's a destination wedding just making a whole event of the weekend and stuff yeah very cool yeah i've had a few wedding videographers uh on the show to talk about that and they always um it's funny i've never thought about the stress that comes with wedding videography i yeah. mean you are in charge of of documenting 
a once in a lifetime potentially event mm-hmm. so i mean yeah the pressure in that i i you know i couldn't do it at this at this point in my in my skill level for filmmaking you but, might um, surprise yourself yeah, <laughs> yeah you that's true know. i mean mm-hmm. i i did i don't know if you heard the story but i did one back in in high school for my cousin and that was you know that was a different story but uh yeah doing one like now that i know that i have the filmmaking skills and and actually you know the other thing about it is is valuing your work. I saw that you you know you list your prices on your website. Um, at what point did you start like broadcasting? Like, okay, I'm worth this amount for this package and this amount for this package. How many weddings did you have under your belt before you did that? So actually, that got implemented this year. I always played with the idea. I think it was also looking at other wedding filmmakers in the area and what they had on their sites, and a lot of them did advertise their prices same with wedding photographers and you know I think it's a good way to either find out like if you and the client are a match um and just being upfront and honest with like this is what I charge um for instead of like you know I mean there's pros and cons to having it on the site or and or like once they contact you they can see but I don't know I just think I found it more beneficial to just show like this is what it is this is what it's worth take it or leave it sort of thing yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it definitely cuts out a lot of the uh, the guesswork that can happen when when vetting clients or working right. or beginning yeah your relationship with clients. Mm-hmm. So, what is your mentality around your filmmaking journey? In your submission, you mentioned um, a quote that you shared, and I'd like you to to revisit that if you can, and just tell our audience the quote and what it means to you and how it's kind of guided your filmmaking journey. Yeah. So the quote that stuck with me is that you're never a master of your craft until the day that you die, and that really stuck with me because, you know, each day is an opportunity to create, whether you are a videographer, a landscape architect, a doctor, whatever, like there's always an opportunity to improve and learn about your crafts. Like I know where I am today and where I was, let's say five years ago has completely shifted. And that's because I've put in work. Um, Sometimes I've been slacking at it and I'm like, why am I not (laughs) continuing to push myself? But I think that quote, like applies with anything in life if you whether that's weight loss or eating healthy like if you don't continue to learn about it how can you expect to get better and be world class possibly by the day you die absolutely yeah and every especially in in creative fields i think every project you do is a learning opportunity there's always going to be takeaways from that to improve on your next project and it's just this kind of competition against yourself to just be the exactly. best best version you can be yeah definitely awesome. i felt that for um the when i went to belize with the uh nonprofit, uh they we were supposed to go the next year but covid happened so i was really like mm. bummed because i was like oh i have this epic story that i'm gonna tell now that i'm familiar with the place and know how things work so yeah there's always that drive and you know that's the same thing I experienced with soccer like the only way I was going to get better at my sport was putting in the work and putting in the time. Absolutely I uh this is kind of an aside but I just started playing basketball again and I uh I thought that after you know I stopped playing early college that I could just kind of hop back on the court with all these these young you know young women and uh, and keep up with them my first game I pulled my hamstring oh no <laughs> um and second game I did well and then the game I had last week I airballed every shot oh, I took. No. <laughs> so I gotta put in the practice yeah, exactly. just like you gotta... just like videography <laughs> but it was kind of like riding a bike again like you had the foundation I mean you're a little rusty but you still like you knew <laughs> what to do yes 
Yes, right. absolutely. But every game is a learning opportunity, just like every project uh, is the same for filmmaking. Very true. So I want to talk about your your business evolution. So you were working, you started, I, I kind of want to get a timeline here. You graduated college, you worked for the, the ski shop, you worked for the science company, you wanted to go into broadcast, you ended up kind of changing your trajectory. You got that job at Designscapes Colorado. What year was that when you started with them? I think it was 2017. Yeah, I've been there four okay. years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you were working with with them, and then when it was it that you started to branch out? Around what year would you say you started to work on your personal projects and build your your personal brand outside of Designscapes Colorado? So I think that was like 2018, 2019, because 2019 I started filming weddings again, and then mm-hmm. yeah, I think mainly it was mostly 2019 because that's also when I went to Belize, and then yeah, right. um, the wedding stuff. Got it. So 2019 rolls around, you know, you, you got this awesome opportunity to go to Belize. You're still building your portfolio. You got this awesome gig with Designscapes Colorado. 2020 hits and the pandemic, you know, really hits everybody hard. Mm-hmm. What, how did that, the pandemic affect you, affect your business and how did it affect your creativity? There was definitely a shift. Um, I was very fortunate. Our company was deemed essential and so I was still able to work throughout the pandemic. Um, granted, I wasn't doing that much videography because obviously I was a little bit nervous, you know, um, being out in the field. And then like all of our crews, you know, while they were working, they had to wear masks and stuff. And I was like, I don't really want to show people in this like light because, you know, like people can really connect with faces and seeing, you know, smiles and people's expressions and stuff. So I didn't really I was very nervous to create. I did mainly um project overviews of when we completed a project when we would would go out with the photographer and stuff so that was the main focus there at designscapes and then in my side hustle um for the weddings there actually i had four no three three weddings um last year so one was like a mountainside elopement another one was a small ceremony at a country club and then another one was at um was kind of a bigger event that's kind of when covid started slowing down a bit so i mean i still had work um which was very interesting and i was obviously very thankful for um but as far as like new business there wasn't a whole lot right but you still were you know fortunate enough to have your your job still and and the marketing side of it too to to keep you employed and busy Mm -hmm. so that that was good so you know 2021 comes around we're we're, we haven't seen the end of the pandemic but things are starting to open up things are starting to improve vaccines are being administered um and you said 2021 this is the year that you started putting your prices on your website so what was the the evolution from last year to this year like for you as a business owner i think it was just that risk um i had I le- well, one of the weddings um, got their reception got postponed to this year, and I had gotten a couple other ones beforehand. But again, I saw like my peers in the industry, and they had their prices listed. And granted, like wedding, it's wedding videography. It is um, still like kind of custom, like depending on the location, on where the couple's getting married, or um, what else extras they want. It changes, so that's why on my wording I have starting at because when they come and they're like interested in me I also show them okay this is what else you can add to um, your wedding package so it gives them a baseline of 
for because I know budget's like a huge thing and uh, wedding planning too. So, you know, I want to be respectful of their time and I want them to be respectful of mine. So I think having that transparency of this is what I charge and this is not changing. <laughs> um, yes. It's, it's good for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Both parties for sure. So do you shoot weddings solo? Yes, <laughs> right wow. now. I'm still trying to find a second shooter. Um, I mean, it's doable, but it definitely is beneficial to have a second shooter um, or multiple cameras too. <laughs> but so def- you're only one shooter, one camera as well. Well, I expand. So this last what couple weddings I did, I had two cameras. Um, but again, it's <laughs> it, it. You're definitely sweaty by the end of the day. <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. But I mean, I don't prefer it that way. But I think it's just again, it's still trying to find the community of filmmakers like here in Colorado. I know they're out there, but I just don't know where they are. Um, And I guess that's also me like taking a risk and putting myself out there and maybe finding more Facebook groups of, you know, filmmaker meetups and stuff. But it's also hard, too, because my background was in sports. So I have these core group of friends from sports and I haven't really created those connections with more people in filmmaking or the creative space. I'm starting to, but it's still a little tough. Absolutely. And this is a great place to start, you know, mm-hmm. being featured on Cheese and Focus. The yeah, female filmmakers <laughs> will flock to you. Yes. I don't know if any of them will be in Colorado, but we'll still, <laughs> I they, mean, that's okay I'm sure still they too. know somebody. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So what would you say the biggest challenge you're facing with your business is at the moment? Ooh. I would say right now my biggest challenge is I think all the weddings that I've had this year, they've been in a three month span. So just having the time of dedicating to filming those, or sorry, editing those films. Cause you know, I work full time and yeah. still like doing the creative work and also like factoring in like my own health and wellness. Like I need, you know, to do yoga, to meditate, to pray, whatever. And then also balancing, you know, I need to get these projects done and I want to work on them. It's just like, dedicating the time to do those sort of things. Definitely. What does your typical day look like? Because it just, you know, you mentioning it, it did just click in my head that you work full time, you have your side hustle, you know, you have to keep in mind that you're a person, you have to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. What does your typical day look like? Are you in the office nine to five? And then as soon as the work day ends and you work on your, your personal product projects for your personal business? Yeah, I mean, honestly, the days depend, you know, some mornings I may have a photo shoot in the morning, so I'll go to that or some days it's just straight to the office. Um, Normally, I'm in work by like 730 ish. So then that just depends on my duties for the day, whether that's, you know, writing, getting materials together for a news article that we're being featured on doing social media posts, um, any other in house things, branding and all that stuff, content creation. Um, yeah, it just depends day to day. And then when I get home, depending on, you know, the project due date, it's like, okay, I need to focus on this today. And then tomorrow I can have rest or whatever. And it's really helped. I do yoga every morning. And I totally think that's benefited me so much, like mentally and physically mm-hmm. to keep like going throughout the day, because it's a good start to my day. And I'm like, okay, I'm energized. Like, let's go. Let's yeah. go out and work and work hard. And yeah. At what point did you did you implement that practice that doing yoga every morning to, to contribute to your health and wellness? Yeah, I would say that was late November, December. 
yeah, start doing mm, that. Because <laughs> I feel like that's the secret. Like everybody just has to find their thing. Their and I find that creating, yeah, a morning routine or a night routine um, really can help you kind of ground yourself and, and get what you have to get done for the day without being overly stressed or, you know, without burning out because that um, I, I'm in the same boat as you. I, I work full time. You know, I have my side hustle and then I, you know, I have, I mean, I have this podcast, I have mm-hmm. basketball, like there's other things yeah. I'm doing. So it's, it's my days. If I looked at my calendar and I just looked at it based on my calendar, I would be the most stressed out person in the world because I have appointment after appointment, after meeting, right. after meeting, mm-hmm. after project, after, you know, so just finding the little things like in the morning when I wake up, my routine is like, I listen to a podcast. I have my tea or my coffee. Mm-hmm. I, I block out my tasks for the day and then I figure it out. And I notice that when I don't do those things it throws the rest of my day off right Mm -hmm. for sure does that does that happen with you with yoga oh yeah definitely like I think there's one morning I had to leave super early and I wasn't able to get a practice in and I was like okay I can do this but then I came (laughs) home and did one or I did a hit workout and then I was like completely fine but um one thing that yoga instructor I do yoga with said is that stuck with has stuck with me is like everything is as it should be. And, you know, when we start getting overwhelmed or our schedules gets full, you know, it's easy to get anxiety, stress out and stuff. But that quote has taught me to like know that, okay, this, these events, they're there for a purpose and just not to get overwhelmed and take each one, one by one and not, and just focus on today. Because if I focus on like, oh, I have to do these five things next week and I'm not focusing on this week, then, you know, it's, I don't benefit myself at all and I just get stressed out. So I think, yeah, just taking everything one by one. It's easy to get like excited about things and want to, you know, continue to, you know, take on projects and tasks, but you have to remember like, okay, I need to finish this stuff first before I can move on to that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Having a kind of, one track mind in a way, like exactly. doing one thing at a time. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, it's funny. I will try to like over plan and over plan my week. And if I go out more than like a day or two, then I start to get more stressed, even though mm-hmm. it's the act of planning. It's the fact that you're not paying attention to the immediate, to what right. you have to do now. Mm-hmm. It's like going too far out. So yeah, I, that definitely resonates yeah. with me. And I think it has to do with our culture too. Like I'm trying to get away from, I feel like when you ever you ask somebody like, oh, how are you doing? They're like, oh, I'm so busy. But it's like, okay, everybody's busy and stuff. And, you know, trying to move away from that and be like, oh, yeah, I'm good. I'm doing this, this and this, you know, kind of explaining more of what I'm doing instead of just this is it. Like, I'm busy. I can't even talk to you. Like, <laughs> just yeah, exactly. And stuff. So I think, yeah, part of it comes from our culture. It's like, oh, if you're not busy, then like, what are you doing? But people are always doing something. Yeah, yeah. And I like that. Like, because I feel like when you say I'm busy, it kind of shuts the other person down. Like you're not inviting conversation even. Mm -hmm. So if you say, oh, like I'm working on this, this one really big project or my line is usually, oh, we have a launch coming up for work because in Mm -hmm. the, in the tech industry, that is like the constant in my, in my position in marketing. So um, yeah, I find that that definitely invites conversation and then uh, also doesn't, I don't know, when you constantly say you're busy, it just has such a negative connotation, the word, you know what I mean? I totally agree with that. And then it stresses you out more because you're like, oh, well, I'm bit, yeah, it's like signal something in the brain. Like, I'm just so busy. I can't, I can't do whatever or don't want, like, cause you could be busy, but working on something very exciting. And then, you know, yeah. sharing that with people is tough because you're like, oh, I'm just busy. It's just an automatic 
answer, you know? Absolutely. So I had a question for you because Mm -hmm. the landscape architecture field is highly male dominated, I would imagine. Yes. Mm -hmm. Then you go and overlap that with the filmmaking videography space, which is also highly male dominated. So what has been your experience kind of navigating these two spaces as a woman? Well, there's also a third one. Uh, It's very bilingual. There's a lot of Spanish speakers within the landscape industry, too. So for me, trying to combat that, I'm very fortunate. I have a coworker that I've worked with and he is bilingual and stuff. And so he would come out with me on the job sites when we were filming the safety and training videos. And he would, he coins it as he's my glorified translator. Um, (laughs) And he was, but uh, so like, yeah, just, I think it's just exposing myself out on those job sites and be like, Hey, like there's other, there's, I think also people don't realize how much other things go behind the scenes within landscaping. Like obviously our crew members are, they just go job to job and that's what they're familiar with. But then once Mm -hmm. I was introduced to the company, like they know me as like, Oh, you take photos. Oh, you take video, like take a picture of me and stuff like that. So it's just (laughs) like exposing, you know, um, people to other facets of things that are out there. And now the company, all those got all those people that I go out, on the cruise with they're more comfortable when they see me because they've been exposed to that and I mean for the Spanish part I'm still like I'm trying to learn Spanish you know obviously it takes time but I'm a lot better than I used to be and you know they tell me that and I'm like do you understand what I'm saying they're like oh yeah it's really good I'm like oh thank you it's Duolingo's working <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Duolingo's gotten a lot better over the years oh too. yeah definitely mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> that's really funny so I want to actually talk about this is a good segue to get into like your projects now, because when I think about why your films are so effective, I think it honestly comes down to editing. The -hmm. footage itself is, is stunning, but it's just the way that you, you put it together and your, your storytelling ability and your ability to match the editing style to the specific project. Um, So yeah, I want to just kind of break down a few of those projects. So let's talk about the, the bilingual Spanish uh, training program. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. training program, the bilingual mm-hmm. Spanish training program. Yeah, let's talk about that. What was the biggest challenge on that one, the the language barrier? Like, I couldn't even imagine working on a project in a language that I don't understand. So tell me what that was like. Right. So when it came to filming out there, granted, I should have done more work on the back end. So say we were filming a tractor for that day. And, you know, I relied a lot on my coworker because he did have landscape knowledge to like you know basically write the scripts for um that Mm. particular video so one thing i wish i did back then was you know did my own research on what we needed to cover in that instead of just relying fully on him so we would go out to the job site and you know he i was still like very timid like my personality i'm more of a quiet person and you know i didn't fully know all that I was doing and you know you kind of have to be just confident just you know like dive in and go for it so I'd kind of let him lead and you know I'd get back to the editing room and then I wouldn't be that satisfied with like certain angles that I got and stuff and you know but that was also a learning process of how to get better and what I need to step up and start doing and then when it came to editing them so I'd have my scripts written out and I filmed all or I did all the voiceovers for the videos so I knew what was said and then you know had my own script and then we'd go 
and have the script translated. And then one of our in-house staff members would do the Spanish speaking portion for those videos. And I was really surprised at myself. Granted, I had the guide of the script, but you know, like going through and, you know, subconsciously I'm picking up these words and like the meanings of what is being said. So obviously that was enhancing my Spanish knowledge. And then, you know, it just, the landscape industry is tough because everything you do, you have to do it twice. <laughs> so it's just like a longer process, but you know, I've been learning a lot through it too, as well. Yeah, explain that that phrase. Everything you do, you have to do it twice in landscaping. Why? Just once in English, once, once in Spanish. Yeah, mm-hmm, yes, got it. <laughs> so everything's got twice it, as yeah. long. Yeah, <laughs> right. So you, I mean, so you were a little timid at first with this first video, but you created like sixty videos mm-hmm. for this specific program, right? So right. What by the end? Did you define your process better? Like, did it become easier as you went on? Yeah, that. Yeah, I think that the obviously experience and then I think it was, yeah, 2018, I joined full-time filmmaker and, you know, I started, I was, I heard back in one of your old podcasts, like you kind of like let it sit for a while because you're like kind of nervous to get started. And I was like the same way. I was kind of overwhelmed and, you know, I took it as like kind of discrediting my skills and like, oh, well, they're way above me. Like, I don't know if I should be taking this. Like their videos right out the gate, I was like, wow, these look way nicer than my right. own. But then, you know, right. I was taking that leap of faith and really diving in and after the first couple be like, oh, wow, this is so beneficial to my learning. And that's like what excelled me to the next step of my films. Yeah, that program is it can be really, really transformative if you dedicate the time to yep. it and you go through the lessons. I've still, I mean, even now, I still find it very hard for me to kind of go through the lessons. I'm still kind of um, overcoming that that fear. And I think for me, it's like a fear of success mm-hmm. more than a fear of failure yeah, um, that. for that matter. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, but so you did you did that so you're learn you're learning spanish as you go here too so this is a learning opportunity on all fronts you're right. you're defining your process more you're creating a very specific style video that you know corporate industries and and the commercial space are always looking for like i back in college for my my thesis mm-hmm. i did um a, vi- a training video for the mammoth oral communication center that we had at mammoth university down here in new jersey and I mean, that style video is something that I was able to add to my reel and, and market that across to, to all of the, the corporate positions that I was applying to. And everyone was really, really impressed because those, you know, when I think of like HR training videos or, or, or some, any type of training video, you think of those like old ones that you used to watch where it was like these cheesy skits yeah. and like very boring. Like, and ah, what, and these terrible, yeah. Right, <laughs> yeah. right, right. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. And these terrible graphics. But now they're like... They're very professional and they're neat and they're clean and they're effective. And Mm -hmm. that's, I think, the major difference. So what a wonderful experience that was for you to now have that under your belt and know that you can probably now with with like a a few couple dozen under your belt, be able to crank it out. No problem. Right. And now we're evolving the program. We've we're introducing something or we've introduced Design Seed Colorado Academy. So right now it houses all those videos that I've created, but we are looking to shift it more into like a training platform so people can, if they are in one position and are looking to move up, maybe like, okay, you need to take these courses and master these skill levels and that way you can move on to those next, um, that next position. And, you know, that benefits, you know, 
the company all around because, you know, we're developing our people within yeah. within house too. So I'm very excited to continue that. And I'm obviously looking for ways that I can improve it to make it more interactive because my voice can be somewhat monotone. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, how do I make this more exciting? You know, I want people to pay attention all the way or mostly the way throughout. Um, so yeah, it's always like keeping it more interactive and fresh. And, you know, that's obviously evolving me as a filmmaker. Absolutely. How much pre-planning goes into those training style videos? Because when I did it back in college, I had like one or two videos to make. So the planning was, right. was pretty simple. But if you're expanding a program that is designed to, you know, help employees reach the next level, I'm assuming that you're making a few videos and you have to, you can't just start a video and then try to figure out the second or third or fourth video. Right. I'd imagine you have to pre-plan everything at the beginning and then start filming, right? Yeah. So we're still trying to figure out the kinks in this process, but my idea behind at least the video portion of it is to go to each of the team's managers or um, other staff members and identify the what the need is like what do we want these um, team members to learn and then from there you know kind of seeing what's important um, them writing down the points because I don't know everything that they want to touch on so having them do the research and kind of put together a rough draft will help me and save time as well so I can focus on okay this is the order that we need to do like let me clean up this that and the other and then we can move on into filming because beforehand when I didn't do that we go to review it with the managers they'd watch the video and be like oh you need to add this 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 and this and I'm like oh well this is not gonna look very cohesive now and stuff and you know taking those steps beforehand you know obviously there'll probably still be edits after um filming, but at least I mitigated the most that I can in that moment. Yeah, definitely. What is your, cause I'm also assuming you're kind of intercutting this footage with B-roll mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So what does your content management look like? Because you, I mean, if you're out on the job site most days, I imagine you have a large library of footage and B-roll that you've captured. Are you labeling? How are you storing? Because um, I'm sure it's easier to also reference what you've already recorded than having to record net new B-roll every for every video. Right. And I mean, the tough part about that, too, is, you know, I've recorded whatever B-roll in the past and then my skills have developed. So obviously I want right. to go back and get new, like more uh, stylized shots because I my skills have evolved. And, you know, I mm -hmm. kind of don't use that past library of shots but you know there may be some that I could pull but right now I just go out to the job site film title what I filmed and then you know it kind of just sits on my gtech drive and you know I'll reference it if I need it like I know where it is I don't have a, that'd be cool though a certain library where you can type in some uh keywords and then pops yeah. <laughs> Pop. maybe yeah, I'm sure pro some... needs to integrate that <laughs> yeah seriously seriously <laughs> yeah so the next project I want to talk about um, is your still with Design Saves Colorado, um, the the brand videos. Mm -hmm. I saw the ones that they were all. It was music and it was just landscape, um, like different shots of of the. Uh, what am I trying to say? Like the architecture and the mm -hmm. the shrubbery. Yeah, my yeah. landscape vocab isn't exactly <laughs> okay. where it needs to be. <laughs> it takes but the time. bushes and shit. You know what yeah, I'm right. talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> yes. so I, I'm curious, 
why did you go that route with it? Um, just the imagery with no voiceover or anything. I think it's so fitting, but I don't know if I would have seen that and thought, you know, and thought to do that. So, um, kind of what was your, your process with those specific videos? Did you, did you know that from the, the beginning that you just wanted to do kind of imagery and, and music? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Cause I didn't really have a certain direction or like narration. Obviously I could have narrated like we meticulously selected yeah. the what whatever, <laughs> but right, I knew right. like these videos were going to be for social and it was going to be short, quick content because what inspired it was those quick videos that you'd see on Instagram of somebody, let's say, putting like a holiday basket together. And, you know, that kind yeah. of like sparked it. And I'm like, why don't we have anything of our portfolio that kind of like takes you through the property? I know photos did it, but video can do it a little bit better, you know, like hearing the sights and sound see or hearing the sounds that you would if you were actually out there and you know like kind of having people envision that in their space you know like some of the properties we do can be like very grand um and others are like more like average like what I could afford and so it's like yeah. taking people there and imagining like you can have something like this for your budget um yeah yeah <laughs> That's awesome. Do you also, I didn't, I don't think I saw any drone footage in, in that. Do you fly a drone? I want to. <laughs> I'm hoping That's to get um, uh, certified, hopefully. But yeah, I don't know. It, it frightens me because I'm like, I don't want to lose a drone. Like those are expensive. <laughs> I don't yeah, want to seriously. fly into a mountain or in the river. I don't know. <laughs> right. So but that, that leads me to another question. Do you, the gear that you use for Designscapes Colorado, is that your own gear or is that provided by the company and you just use it? So the first couple of years, it was my own gear. And then this past year, I was able to um, purchase something through the company because, you know, I was like, I'm doing this more frequently. Like, I think the we need yeah. to use the company. And, you know, I, my personal camera is a Canon. And then I was like, mm, let me venture out and try Sony. So now I'm like, oh, I think I may like sony a little more i don't know but like they have their pros and cons but you know that's also part of the process too is like i want to know what other cameras do and stuff obviously it's very expensive to rent or even buy another camera if you don't know if you're going to use it that often and stuff so right, right i was very fortunate to like be able to buy something that's a little bit different than what i'm used to yeah what camera are you rocking with now the a7s3 for work and then i would do i have a canon 5d mark IV for my side hustle <laughs> very nice yeah. yeah it's funny uh because i'd i'd imagine also a challenge with sony footage versus canon footage is like depending on if you shoot in log or not right. it could be really challenging to edit together mm -hmm. yeah so, so i've um so the one project that i have that's the landscape through the seasons that one I started shooting on my Canon. So I'm just continuing that project on my Canon. And then, cause I know right. there's some settings you can do to get the Canon picture profile, but I was like, mm, I'm not going to risk it. I'm just going <laughs> to continue to shoot on the Canon until this project's done. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So the next project I want to talk about is there is a, a permanent residency nomination ceremony mm -hmm. that was completely virtual. Yes. And, <laughs> Here I am watching this video on your on your page, and I'm getting emotional watching it. <laughs> yes, and I'm that's like, perfect. This is, I was <laughs> that's like, what this I is want. freaking Zoom footage, yeah, and right? here I am, you know, shedding a tear for these <laughs> graduates of this program. Mm -hmm. I mean, how? Like, first of all, I mean, you've covered 
in-person things, obviously, and events like weddings and stuff. Right. How different did your process have to be with recording something and planning out a video that was completely virtual? So that one was, I I think that one was really tough (laughs) because, you know, I had this vision in my head of how it wanted to turn out, but I also had to be realistic with my expectations because during that video, um, while the owner was announcing uh, who was receiving that stuff, I was on that side of things and all of our crews are spread out throughout the Denver metro area. So the people that were nominated, they were at different places and, you know, I couldn't like run around and get their reactions and stuff and so the content that my um, co-workers were able to get with just their phones was like very helpful and it helped excel that story because you know zoom I you can only get so much Um, but I also set up you know another camera to for my of the shot of my owner um, you know saying the names and then you know cutting to zoom footage of people's reactions if they'd pop up or like a couple of teammates clapping or that one where our HR manager is crying like yeah that that was I mean those were all very lucky because zoom you know it just clicks through (laughs) um but yeah I think for what I was given in that moment I think it turned out really well and obviously I just wanted it to be a short promotional video because this program is life-changing for all of the employees that have gone through it and stuff and to give them a head start um, on their citizenship here in the United States is like pretty incredible. Yeah. I mean, following up on this video, I was watching the, um, the internship video mm-hmm. that you did with the young gentleman who, uh, who was just talking about how transformative the program was. And uh, that one was, was getting me too. <laughs> I mean, it's just the, I think I, I, I just, and that's why I say, I think it's your editing um, because so I, I I want you to walk me through like that, that internship kind of interview video, the testimonial video. Mm-hmm. Do you, are you planning your questions, um, kind of vetting them with the, the, the interviewee, the person you're interviewing, um, is the interviewee following a script of some sort? What is your process like for that video? Are you recording it and then getting the B-roll later? Mm-hmm. How does that work? So that was all pretty organic. I had my list of questions um, that I refer Mm -hmm. to, but I would tell the interviewee, like, you know, they're not an actor. So I was like, you know, just we're just having a conversation um, and just, you know, answering these questions on like your true feelings about the program and stuff. So we'd have the interview first and then I would go out and, you know, get their schedule and be like, okay, where are you going to be? And go out and shoot their kind of day. for that and then, you know, piece it together that way. Since I didn't really know what they were gonna say to the questions, I had to kind of wait before I could fully start to plan because once I interviewed them, then that started getting the juices flowing of, okay, I can get a shot of them doing this and then this and then this. And that's kind of how the process evolved. Nice, but you were kind of going, going, going because after the interview, then you have to follow them on their day that same day or the two different interview days? Uh, like, yeah, interview be like two du- it would be like, throughout the week or whatever it wouldn't be like back to back got it got it man i mean this this design skips colorado place this gig that you have it just i can't emphasize enough for as an outsider looking into this how much of an, an awesome opportunity this must be for you 
to be able to have the creative freedom and like the the portfolio this job is worth it for the portfolio pieces mm-hmm. alone the diversity yeah definitely yeah. um yeah can't sometimes you know we all have our moments of you know frustrations at our jobs and mm-hmm. stuff but then i look back on like you know this like you bring up all these videos i'm like oh wow i have done some cool stuff and then just so yeah. what i have like in the wheelhouse too that's coming up i'm like very very excited about so yeah definitely this job has been a huge blessing yeah absolutely i'm um i'm really excited what you could i'm really excited to see what you continue to create with them and i'm gonna be just checking back on your social media (laughs) checking back on your website to see uh to see more more places or more pieces so i had a question um switching gears to back to wedding films Mm -hmm. the wedding you filmed are stunning it's funny i could tell by your editing style that you were a solo shooter because because I, I take full-time filmmaker I right. know that oh if, if she only showed this side of it for <laughs> x seconds that's because she didn't have the exactly. uh, the rest of it she had to switch yes. to the other side mm-hmm. um but you know anybody else watching that wouldn't wouldn't be able to pick up on that it's, that's kind of like a just a filmmaker kind of secret I guess for sure yep mm-hmm. um but you do elopements um, and smaller ceremonies as well as bigger ones I wanted to know what's the real difference between the two for you and in, in filming those are there any differences uh technically or just how the day goes uh yeah i would definitely say how the day goes for elopements and small ceremonies it's definitely more laid back like there's still a schedule but it's like okay we're running a little behind but that's okay um sort of thing and obviously with the elopement that i filmed it was probably like 30 minute ceremony and then the small wedding that i just did it was actually my first small wedding was probably like four to five hours of filming and then for the bigger weddings it's definitely a lot more involved there's a set schedule to follow because you only have the venue for x amount of time and stuff and you know it's like okay on to the next one on to the next one so for what for the bigger weddings it's definitely more fast paced and you know more on your toes and then elopements and small weddings is more laid back and um you really i feel like it's also i get to spend more time with the couples in a weird sense like it's they're not like I don't I don't know how to describe it but I just think it's more it's more intimate definitely with the smaller and elope smaller weddings and elopements yeah do you have a preference between the two or three who I think I like small I think I like the smaller weddings and elopements elopements because you know they kind of t- like my job at Design Cave Colorado I've been to places that I didn't know existed in Colorado and I'm like I know my state is great but like I oh I've never been here I've never <laughs> been here before yeah. so yeah it's like that exploration part too because I love to travel so seeing new places and stuff really uh, yeah I love it Awesome. Awesome. So I have one more piece of uh, yeah. content, one more project that I want to bring up before we start um, start wrapping up here. So I saw on your Instagram that you had kind of a macrame plant hanger that you filmed. And it just, first of all, made me want to buy one. <laughs> but it just really enforced to me that I should be creating with what's around me. Mm-hmm. You know, like pick an object in my house, right. film it, make a little commercial for it. Um, and and you know i'm adding to my portfolio but i'm also kind of keeping uh flexing that creative muscle if you will yeah so tell me a little bit about that specific project was that just a personal thing you wanted to do on your own were you paid by the company sponsored by the company to do that no so that was completely on my own so like with you like what you just said like i'm like how am i gonna create more content this year because that was always like a goal of mine each year but i wasn't 
fully executing it. And mm-hmm. so one day I had the idea, I was like, why don't I, because that macrame, mac- wait, macrame, <laughs> that plant hanger. Macklemore, no. <laughs> I say it wrong and my friend makes fun of me. So I'm like, oh, I better not say it. But um, that plant hanger was actually done by a former teammate. So she has her own business. And so I was like, I need a plant hanger for one of my plants. And then I got it and I was like, why don't I make a short little video for this? So I made the video and, you know, I wasn't expecting to get paid or anything. And I sent it to her like, hey, I made this video, like free, feel free to use it on your social media. And she's like, oh my gosh, I love this. Like, thank you so much. And that's awesome. And so kind of, you know, again, starting with the connections that you have, because a lot of my, or some of my friends, they have their own clothing brands or like their own little Etsy businesses and stuff. So kind of taking the things that are around me and, you know, even though it was like something so small, like it, again, I learned from it and then it was able to bring me to the next stage of it too. Yeah. And especially during the pandemic, that must have been um, so helpful to just to know that you can utilize the connections that you have and and the just the the products and stuff that's around you. And so because I know for a lot of people that meant the pandemic meant not going out and seeking new business or not, Mm -hmm. you know, meeting in person or going on big shoots and large productions. It was making the most with what you have. And I think that that you did that. And that video is just the perfect example. So I just had to bring it up. And yeah, I've gotten that compliment a lot. Like it made me like, I don't have any plans, but I want, I want to buy one of those. And that's, you know, like, and then again, with the emotion part, like you said that you were tearing up for those last couple of videos, like it truly what I learned from Kyle is like, you have to tell a story in order for it to, to get those emotions. And, you know, I like my work here is done is when I hear like, Oh, I started crying or like, Oh, it made me laugh or whatever. Made me want to buy that plant hanger. I was like, yes, I did it. (laughs) That's what I was going for. Like I get so much joy of hearing like, Oh my gosh, that made me cry. And I was like, yes, I got an emotion. Like it'll stick with you because you had that like connection with the video. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's marketing. (laughs) It's marketing. See? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's <laughs> very true. <laughs> it all comes back to marketing. Yes, definitely. <laughs> all right. So I want to know, we're going to do some closing questions now. I want to know what it would mean to you to have a network of female filmmakers. Ooh, I think a lot of the past guests have said this. Like, I think there's been that stereotype stigma that we are all in competition with each other. And I know I definitely feel that. And I feel like I can't connect because I'm like, well, we're still all competing against each other but then I think back to soccer and I had friends that were on different teams and we're all competing against each other but we were still friends at the end of the day um and I think it's just you know bouncing those ideas or asking for help like if I needed like on a wedding like hey I need a second shooter would you be willing to come help me and stuff like that and you know you kind of again you grow by learning from other people like I could meet somebody that has a completely different style of filmmaking does a completely different industry of stuff and you know learn a ton from them so I think the value would be you know obviously creating friendships but also learning and growing more in our craft yeah and and the learning and growing more in a safe space right too Mm -hmm. yeah which I think makes all the difference um and I mean I at this point in time this podcast for me still is um just an inspiration hearing you know your story hearing all the other female filmmakers stories for me right now it's kind of just reinforcing in my brain and kind of just dropping this idea in there every time I I speak to one of you that 
you know, you do belong in this space. You can right. do this. You know, mm-hmm. there are different journeys, as you mentioned at the be- beginning of the show. Um, and it's just, it's really inspiring. Now, I haven't, I don't think been, I haven't kind of gotten the self-motivation to yet go out and practice what I've been hearing. But I think that that'll just, that'll just come. Everybody has their own journey. And I thought that, um, you know, that inspiration would automatically mean that I would grab my camera and that I would run right. out and go shoot and that I would right. send my work to all of you guys and get feedback. But right. um, yeah, I think everybody's journey looks a little different in that way. And that for right now, I'm okay with this just being, you know, just a sense of joy and inspiration. And then, you know, waiting for my time to come where I get past that fear and actually go out and start creating. Right. It's all a process too. Like I was never like this gung ho, like very early on, like this is all evolved five years later and stuff. And it's just finding what you like, what you enjoy. Um, You know, never did I think I would do a wedding again, film a wedding, but here I am doing weddings on the side and like enjoying it too, because I'm learning the different style I can create in creating a love story and stuff. So I think, yeah, it's just all a process and, you know, you got to take a risk like you're taking a risk with this podcast and you put yourself out there to do it and so like that's the first step and then from there you know who knows where this can go absolutely so what is one thing about your story that you want the people listening today to remember oh that's deep (laughs) (laughs) oh um i'm trying to catch up to your level here with the emotion you gotta (laughs) I don't think I'm that emotional or that, yeah, (laughs) telling. My friends would say something completely different, but um, (laughs) I think it goes back to what I just said. There's no, I think it's also our culture. There's no overnight success stories. Um, For me, you know, I'm still like battling a lot of stuff um, in my craft and, you know, like trying to push myself to continue to have that motivation. Now I'm dealing with, I want to make sure I don't burn out with all these projects that I'm taking on and then, you know, just completely stop or like not care about my work. Um, So I think, yeah, just realizing with anything, like it's a process. And um, I don't think, again, there's no necessary level of mastery of anything until you maybe die. Um, but, um, I was yeah. wondering how you're going to end that sentence yeah, yeah, until like, you just kick the can. I, I don't know where this is going. But yeah, just like, you know, just taking again, everything day by day, step by step and um, giving yourself grace too, because we can also be very hard on ourselves. And I know I definitely can be, but yeah, just giving yourself the grace to grow and just, yeah, continue to push and get better and know that like, okay, with this, gig like I may not know everything but I'm gonna learn something new with this and just doing the best that I can with it yeah seeing everything as a as a learning opportunity an opportunity for you to get a little bit closer to your your end goal but you're right it's all a process for sure yes for sure so how can the viewers and listeners of this podcast support you Marissa as a filmmaker well, you can follow me on Instagram. Um, I also have a YouTube channel and Vimeo channel. The YouTube channel is very fresh, so I could it could use some loving. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, we know where to find you. Thank right. you so much for coming on the show today, Marissa. I was so excited to talk to you. Hearing the insights of all your projects and kind of your process has really um, been eye-opening for me. And I, you know, I might 
definitely reach out to you as I get the courage to maybe kind of reach out to, to a client and start a brand video because I think that you have some really, really amazing experience. And I encourage anyone listening to this podcast to to reach out to Marissa and kind of, you know, support her on her journey. But thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. You know, I was this was something that was definitely out of my comfort zone too, um, talking on a podcast, but I had a lot of fun and yeah, I was very insightful and you know doing some self-reflection and just seeing like how far I come and you know this has been encouraging to continue to continue that journey amazing all right as always thanks so much for watching and I'll see y'all in the next episode bye